the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. If you've listened to my show, if you've spent any time with me, you know that I'm geared towards getting you to retirement. I'm geared to stopping or helping you stop, make mistakes, tied towards um, scenarios like, oh, good golly, uh, bad financial people. Every industry has some bad. Sometimes they're bad nurses. Literally nurses of mercy who will kill patients out of mercy of their suffering. Some industries have bad doctors um, who are just in it for the money or the rock and roll. Some industries have bad mechanics who, you know, once they put together a Toyota Corolla thinks they can put together a BMW. Uh, Sometimes they're like, hey, you come in for a light, eh, you leave with a belt problem. I'm convinced that like tire stores send people out on occasion with glass bottles and throw them on the road to help business always come in. Um, every industry, I think, has some bad. Every industry has some what I just referred to as some conspiracy. The financial industry has some bad. It also has a lot of good. Um, the bad that's out there are people, in my opinion, who don't take the time to do it right. And there's plenty of them. Typically, it's someone who's going to promise you, I'm the person for you. Typically, it's someone who's like all-encompassing. Typically, it's someone who's, I'm smarter than you. Don't you want to, they'll say things like, don't you want to retire with security? Don't you want to protect your money against Wall Street? Don't you? And it's a lot of that kind of slime. Um, I'd be very cautious out there. Always, always be very patient. Never, ever mix up services. Insurance is not an investment. Don't let insurance become an investment. Don't let a salesperson who's a quote-unquote financial expert, just because he wears a jacket and, and, and uh, you know, tie, and um, just because he's got that polish to him, doesn't mean he's a financial expert, trust me. I could explain to you more ways than one of the people that I've met in the industry. Uh, a lot of slime out there. A lot of slime. A lot of industries have roles for people with high school educations to get in and make high, good money. And what's unfortunate is financial planning is really about the future. And it takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of insight. 
it's really not meant to be, you know, a 30-hour week. You could start it. Hack used to be uh, selling cars. Now you could be selling financial information. So you got to be kind of cautious on that. Um, anyone who sells annuities, I would run away from. Anyone who sells mortgages with investments, I would run away from. Anyone who sells insurance with investments, I would run away from. Uh, anyone who sells uh, mutual funds with fees over 1.2%, I would run away from. So if they're putting you in the American funds, I would run away. So there's the basic concept of every industry has some bad people and some certain things that you want to watch out for. Promises, selling of fear, selling of greed. Don't you want all the upside in the market with none of the downside? Sure. Let's put that in another perspective. Don't you want to go to Vegas and only have winning hands and never have losing hands? Now, that sounds retarded, right? So now you're starting to see what, what the, the, the shysters are in the financial world. So be cautious. One of the things that I want to try to do for you is to show you that investing in trends, investing in capitalism, are two of the best ways to invest with a long-term patient investor. You work from age 20 to 60. Thus, you have income to invest from age 20 to 60. Typically, about 15% of your salary should be invested for your retirement nest egg. When you get bonuses, if you want to invest in, say, you know, a project for a future house or a project for a second house or a project for a vacation, that's fine. But 15% of your investment should go towards your nest egg. 15% of your income should go towards your nest egg because you have to replace your income from age 20 to 60 from age 60 to 100. It's pretty simple. Now, one of the things you have going for you is money doubles every 7.2 years if you're cautious and intelligent diversified, go with low cost, eliminate greed and fear. One of the things that works with investing and why it's worked over 100 years is that if you're patient, markets go up 7 out of 10 years. If you're patient, markets makes new highs on a regular basis. It's because of capitalism. Now, there's some certain things that I'm sure you hate and there's certain things that I'm sure you love about capitalism. Capitalism is referred to as creative destruction. I agree with that. Um, I'm scared to hell to see it, some of the new industries coming down the road that I don't see now and that I'm invested in. You know, think about just technology. You know, the last 20 years, um, there's a movie out there called Phone Booth where the main character, you know, answers a f- uh, random phone booth or something like that at a terrorist has him in his sites and the whole idea of a phone booth is silly, right? Um, do you remember being a child and you'd have to wait till Sunday to call Grandma or Reach Out America? AT&T would have plans where it would be cheaper to call after 7 p.m. It would be cheaper to call after 11 p.m. Now that we think about it, that's ridiculous. But when we were actually living it, 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 it affected our lives. Now we have unlimited cell phone minutes. Um, originally, we had... Um, minutes on our cell phones, you know, 300 minutes, 1,200 minutes, 2,700 minutes, 3,000 rollover minutes. Now it's unlimited minutes, and it's all tied towards the data. Um, it's interesting the way that has shifted, uh, because data once was, they didn't think much of it until the files started getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they started seeing that was the way to get you. So coming up in this hour, I'm going to go over some trends to
to complement capitalism. I think the two work well together. When industries like telecom change, opportunities like mobile phones arise. When industries like you know, personal computing change, opportunities like tablets rise. Sometimes these changes happen faster and faster and faster. You know, at one point in time in the 80s and 90s, we looked at the PC as an industry of how fast will it go to the sub $2,000 computer? It was the sub $1,500 personal computer, and the sub $1,000, the sub $800, $500. Now you can basically get a personal computer, 250 bucks, right? And if you didn't get the operating system, probably a little bit cheaper. You could certainly build it for yourself if you want for $100 at this point. Um, something that, you know, 10, 20 years ago was 2000 bucks in computing power. And that's one of the problems with technology, smaller, cheaper, faster. Another one of those investment trends and laws that you always want to pay attention to. Um, now it's about bandwidth. It's about speed online. It's about storage, not necessarily processing power that's driving technology. Anyhow and anyway, you can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. If you ever want to tweet me a question, tweet Rob Black Show. I'll do my best to get back to you, I promise. Um, whether it's through Twitter or if I answer it on the air. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about 3D printing and other technologies that you might want to be aware of that might help you become a better investor. Let's take a little bit of break here. Come back, regroup, start thinking about things that we could talk about. Um, 800-516-1220. You can find a podcast of the show at kdow.biz. That's kdow.biz. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. There's a lot of trends in investing that help you grasp that it's going to work out okay. Capitalism is one. Corporations aren't stupid. They're in the business to make money. They're not in the business to lose money. They're not in the business to be um, charitable causes. They don't get charitable write-offs from the IRS. They get taxed. Then business of profits. Again, knowing that should help you have a little faith. Another trend that should help you have a little faith is consolidation. Is that companies, sometimes when things aren't working out, they say, you know what? I give up. Let's put up the for sale sign. You can take a look at the liquor business. And it's obvious, whether it's Budweiser or Corona, Coors, Grupo Modelo. You've seen um, Sapporo. You've seen all these beer and alcohol companies and spirits and wine companies consolidate into three to five major big players. And yeah, of course, there's some French outliers that will come and steal market share. There's no doubt about it. 
Uh, and then there's times where that will run out because the big boys will start copying them or acquire their competition or acquire them. So consolidation is something that you can feel incredible ease with. Consolidation and capitalism. Um, when there's not enough business, when there's not enough bonus money, when there's not enough, I'm going to go on vacation this year money, owners give up and they sell the company. Owners give up and go bankrupt. Now, the bankrupt isn't the side that you want to go with. You want to hope that, you know, that they had something they could ultimately sell. So take a look at you know, the Wall Street Journal on occasion. Look at the consolidation that regularly happens. That's one of those trends in business that it's your friend. It's okay. You, know, you don't need to be all that freaked out. A um, couple other things to you know, obviously talk about when it comes to you know, big business trends that are going to you know, define the future. Uh, shifts in emerging markets, um, the ravages left on society from catastrophic economic shutdowns, whether it be North America or Europe, new security challenges from you know the big target breach over the 2013 holiday season. Uh, we've heard other retailers got hit with a security breach. That's going to do a big shift. Security in credit cards, security in cyber is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But some of the trends that I think are going to define investing for the next 10, 20, 30 years is I think the brick era from what we saw in the mid-90s to the mid-2000s, late-2000s, it's kind of over. The lightning-fast growth of Brazil, Russia, India, and China, they're starting to see significant slowdowns. So the lightning-fast is over. Is there still growth? Yes. Is it lightning-fast? No. Car sales recently in Brazil, China, and India, they're set to fall for the first time in more than a decade. Interest rates have become higher, creating inflation, or as a result of inflation. Income growth isn't as strong as before. When you went from creating a very poor to an upper lower class to a lower middle class, it starts to peter out. And again, the example that I like to use is we all saw the movie Slumdog Millionaire. Starts out with two kids living in the slums, living in fecal conditions, and then you know it rises up. One I think becomes a drug lord, and one becomes uh, uh, a telecom operator, call center kind of guy. And you kind of see that they rose from the slums, right? Um, but it peers out. So countries like Brazil, Russia, India, and China no longer lightning. Now it's starting to become. Uh, slower growth. So the whole brick investing, it's a little bit of a tired saying. Uh, Brazil's not saving enough, for instance. 15% is not enough to fund the government's target of rising uh, investment in GDP. Its economy contracted in the third quarter. Russia's got it a lot worse. I've never liked Russia. Um, as long as Putin's in, it's just a, a, a disastrous problem of a country. Because it acts like capitalism when it wants to. It acts like communism when it wants to. Um, Russia's big boom, oil, has seen oil prices no longer like surge, 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 surge. Now it's kind of flatlining. And when you invest in surge, 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 and you get hit with flatlining, it's not necessarily a good thing. India, their problem is, as a country, they've been running an enormous current deficit, which has crushed their rupee. It's been a pretty disappointing continent in the last 10 years. 
in large part because of a lot of corruption problems, second only to Russia. GDP has steadily declined in the last couple of years, in the last five years. So they don't really have a good, credible pre- policy response at this point in time. So out of Brazil, Russia, India, and China, Brazil's, take a look what's happening uh, as they're building stadiums. People are rioting. They want buses. They don't want stadiums. They want schools. They don't want stadiums. So this brick era, is it's over. The honeymoon is done. Will there be some great growth? Sometimes. Will there be some good, solid growth? Yeah. Will there be periods of disappointment? Yes, finally. After ten great years, it's, it's finally a bit of a problem. Bank of America sees GDP starting to slow in 2014 for China. And again, it's like a 7.7% to 7.6%. So it's been mainly driven, uh, their whole industry, their whole GDP by heavy industry. And they need to get more of a consumer going that they just can't seem to get. Consumers are driven by uh, services. And they're more of a manufacturing economy. And their manufacturing is cruel and inhumane. So one of the first trends that I'm going to say for the next 10, 20 years is don't go for the trend of BRICS. Uh, BRICS being Brazil, Russia, India, and China. There is a new term, and it's called MINT. This is going to be the second big trend that we talk about. MINT stands for Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria, Turkey. BRIC stands for Brazil, Russia, India, and China. So now we're starting to switch to other countries that will benefit as they start to grow up a little bit more economically speaking. And it's the mints. And I'm not talking like Tic Tacs. I'm talking Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria, and Turkey. Now, again, we've seen headlines in Turkey. They're scary. There's no chance that you get economic growth without scary. In the United States, when we had a massive period of growth in economic growth, we had gangsters. We had alcohol prohibition. We had a lot of problems in the 20s, 30s, and 40s as we were growing. Growth slowed in Mexico in 2013, but it's expected to double over the next year. Double? That's a pretty good thing to think about when you're thinking about investing. We'll talk about this and more. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Catalog of the You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM twelve twenty KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. thought I'd take a little bit of time today to talk about trend investing, whether it's consolidation is your friend. Capitalism is something that's easy to understand. That's why Wall Street works over time. And people that say things like, uh, beware of Wall Street, or, you know, Wall Street always wins. You don't. They're just ignorant. They're just ignorant. Look, this year we hit all-time highs. Last year we hit all-time highs. This is a market that's seen World War I, World War II, 
It's seen Korea. It's seen Vietnam. It's seen Iraq War One, Iraq War Two. It's seen high oil, low oil. It's seen inflation. It's seen depressions. It's seen what hasn't this market seen? Nuclear strikes been there. Presidential assassinations, yeah. It's okay. Does it always go up straight up? Nope. Does it work over time? Yes. I'm not saying it's the little engine that could. I'm saying capitalism and consolidation and a couple other trends are working in your favor. Now, there are some trends that are working against your favor, the retiring of the baby boomers. At a time where it comes shortly after a major recession, boomers are working longer, and that created a bit of a problem for Generation Y. Boomers were supposed to retire. Those jobs were supposed to be created opening for Generation X. Generation X openings were supposed to create openings for Generation Y. Not so much this time. It'll work itself out. Water finds its own level. At times, are you, you know, hey, there's no flood. There's no flood. Oh, there's a massive flood. There's a massive flood. Oh, we're back down to normal levels. It feels dramatic at the time, but it too shall pass. So I was talking a little bit about some trend investing. And one of the top trends, you know, is I think Brazil, Russia, India, and China are slowing. And I'm fine with that. Now we're seeing more growth come out of Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria, and Turkey. So is it stupid that we use phrases like bricks versus mints? Yeah. But it's also easy to explain. You look at countries that have very low wages, and they automatically become areas that have some potential growth. Not automatically, like, definitively going to go, but that's an opportunity. Now, that doesn't see you invest in that opportunity. You look for other things. Um, you know, when you were a child, you remember the made-in-Japan toy, and then it was suddenly made in China, or made in Taiwan, made in China, made in Indonesia. Uh, you see it starting to jump from lower cost, lower cost, to lower cost, to lower cost. So Mexico, um, you've seen more and more American and more and more auto manufacturers around the world open up plants there, because it's cheaper to set up a factory there and drive the cars up to North America to sell than it is to set up a factory in Europe and ship them across on a boat. Mexico is denationalizing its energy sector. And that could lure another $20 billion plus dollars in some new investment. Um, that's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. But again, it's something you start to look at. It's like they're denationalizing. They're making it more capitalism. Capitalism works from an investment perspective. But again, the phrase that pays on capitalism is its creative destruction. Indonesia is the largest economy in its region. A lot of people don't know this. Indonesia allows foreign investments into their ports, both marine and air. Um, They have presidential elections. They've got parliamentary elections. They're hugely popular in the West. I don't know what else to say about Indonesia other than it's growing nicely, for instance. Uh, Nigeria. This is the first time in my investment career where I've ever really talked about the growth potential on Africa as a continent. We're seeing it first in Nigeria. Um, Banks. You're starting to see an African-centric bank fund being set up. So an exchange-traded fund that's tied towards banking 
tells you that that's healthy. You hear me say on this show on a regular basis, our stock market goes nowhere unless the banks lead us. So when it was really, really dark in 2008, I didn't have the courage to say invest in banks because we saw banks failing on a regular basis. But in 2009, when banks stopped failing, I said, banks will lead us out of this. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. Toot! But if I were, it would sound something like that. Um, but banks lead us. Banks typically aren't stupid. You don't walk into a bank and, as an 18-year-old kid, go, I'd like $10,000 or a diamond. They're going to say no. Now, banks get low-cost money. And, yeah, they do have a spectrum of risk that they will take, knowing that's, that some people will fail. Absolutely. But they also know that they could charge some people higher rates and some people lower rates based on that spectrum of some people will win, some people will fail. Higher rates go to the higher risks. So when you're seeing a story come out of the Financial Times that a banking-centric fund is being set up in Nigeria... It really tells you that, you know, not only do they have oil in Nigeria, but they also have banks in Nigeria. And when you have banks, what do they do? They don't just sit there and count their money. They lend. And when you lend, what happens? You create services in other parts of the economy. Nigeria's stock market up 40% in just a few short months. People are starting to realize that it's got a good way to run. If you go back 10 years, go and look at China, when we were talking Brazil, Russia, India, and China, and if you missed that first year where it was up 100%, you still had years 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. So Turkey is an interesting one when you're talking about the mints. Turkey has a very robust economy. Turkey's GDP 4.4%. It's not, you know, at China's level of 7%. It's a maturing of the emerging market asset class. It was once weak, vulnerable, and dependent on external assistance. Now Turkey is very much so a growth pole for its region. It's free of IMF uh, support. It's got lower borrowing costs than higher rated countries like India, Brazil, and Chile. Their public finances are solid. Debt's about 40% of GDP. It used to be about 78% just a decade ago. Uh, You recently saw Tiger Woods in Turkey, and he set up uh, a tee, and he hit a golf ball from, you know, Europe into Asia. It was a bit on the silly side. But it's also a a reminder that, you know, golf is a sport. Sport is part of a distraction for economies. And that should tell you something, right? Uh, You're not seeing Tiger Woods in Afghanistan hitting a golf ball over the mountains so Nike's not sending them there for that there's not money to be made in Afghanistan there's money to be made in Turkey so that's the story of the mints at this point in time M-I-N-T and again not for everyone and certainly not without thinking about it but I'm kind of proud of Mexico I'm kind of proud that Indonesia is on that list and Nigeria is starting to crack the list and the way people are thinking about it. This is probably the first time you've heard of mints, and it won't be the last time. To get your calls on the air, if you ever want to, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 
Um, on top of that, if you ever want to drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. One of the next big trends, and I'm, I've set up two so far, the slowing of the bricks, the maturity or the growth of the mints. I think China, in the next 10, 20 years, it's going to have to open up a little bit more. It's going to have to open up inside their own country, and it's going to have to open up to outside investors, which basically means that their form of communism becomes a little bit more watered down. At a recent gathering of political leaders in China, they decided that the market would play a decisive role in their economy. Part of markets are like real estate markets and stock markets. Property rights would be expanded. Regulations would be more transparent. The state plans to relinquish control over some of its industries while easing limits on foreign investments in e-commerce and other businesses. They want our money. And when I say our money, the world's money. They want us to come there and, and spend. They want us to come there and invest. They want us to come there and hire. China's done some pretty cool things. They're trying to increase their national food security, which has been a joke in the past. They're trying to streamline industry and cut excess capacity. They've started to address local government debt risks. They're improving their social welfare with focus on providing jobs to college graduates. They're speeding up talks with free trade zones. They're not the closed country they used to be, but they, they will open up more in my belief. They've opened up lending on a local level that they had never done before. Everything used to have to go back to the, you know, the main leaders of the head of the party versus the local head of the parties. So we'll talk about this in the future. Again, it's not going to be hyper-growth like the United States was in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, but it may be growth like the United States was in the 80s, 90s. To get your calls in the air or drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Email's rob at robblack.com. Find me online at robblack.com. Listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to me, Rob Black. Thanks so much. From time to time, I like to slow it down, not look at the market day by day numbers, and more so talk about trends and ideas and concepts of what should be included in your portfolio. Keep in mind, all of us are different. We differ like golden clay. That divide is not to take away. We are different beasts. I look at capitalism as, eh, it's a good thing. I look at banks that make billions and billions of dollars as, eh, it's a good thing. You could look at it socially as they're screwing the average person. And I'm like, 
I look at cigarettes as, yeah, it's a good thing in investing. Socially, it's a horrible thing. My dad fought past for cancer. Anyone want me to cry? Me neither. Um, so I'm not going to do it on you. But I could. So one of the things that uh, I'm trying to talk about today are, are trends. And I've talked a little bit about, you know, the rise of bricks and the fall of bricks or the slow descension of bricks with the rise of the mints coming right around the corner. I think, uh, you know, another thing that we have to look at is the 90s and the 2000s really created a everyone in the world was going gangbusters, especially with China throwing, you know, fuel on the fire. Commodity demand was huge. Now commodity demand is starting to fall worldwide as global growth slows. We went from pedal to the metal where we couldn't catch up. You know, when you put your foot down on the gas and you're not quite at the speed yet and you can kind of feel the engine flooding a little bit and then it, it kicks in. We're now at the opposite side of that where it's we're starting to slow. Corn, silver, coffee demand are down about 25% from their peaks. Prices for a lot of commodities down 10 to 15%. Crude's been range-bound. So now that we're out of that super cycle, the pedal to the metals part, we're getting to the point of how do we even out? What does this even mean when it balances? There's been $30 billion combined cumulative investor outflow uh, with more than $20 billion in net inflows. A $50 billion negative swing in the last 12 months, roughly. We've seen commodities, whether particularly be hit hard in precious metals. Commodities are... Let me stop for a second. Commodities, energy commodities. There's agricultural commodities. There's metal commodities. Um, so that gives you a little bit better you know, angle that uh, there's... This conversation's not, you know, meant to say all sweeping. Australia has, you know, a, a commodity-driven nation. They're doing less robust because they're seeing less demand from China and elsewhere. But China's what they typically talk about. So commodities, I'm not going to say are completely tied to China, but it seems to have that feel like they're going to be the push up or they swoon down, or maybe it's just the sideways angle of it all. In terms of what Australia is seeing, they say the sweet spot's behind us. They say out of their corporations, we can no longer depend on a rising terms of trade and favorable demographics to make us richer. Iron ore production started tapering um, basically this year. Energy prices have stopped climbing across the world with the exception of natural gas inside of Europe. So the commodity super boom, it's, it's kind of dry. That easy money is no longer part of a portfolio per se. Hard assets. Now again, for the last 10 years, it worked really, really well. Uh, having large cap stocks, mid cap stocks, small cap stocks, having some uh, emerging markets, Sometimes your large would encompass your international, but when you start thinking about it, when you, you know, 
you're like, how can I hedge? How can I get a little bit more bang for my buck? And it was commodities, hard assets. When you saw what was driving the stock market of lower interest, you knew that commodities were going to be a big play in large part because they're hard assets, whereas lower cost of money is defl- is you know deflationary. You're you're taking the dollar and cut. You know you're basically weakening it. And that means you could buy fewer harder assets with your money. And yet the harder asset, a barrel is still a barrel. A pound is still a pound. pound of corn, bushel of corn, whatever you want to say, kind of thing. Old people is another trend to invest in. And you know that I jokingly refer to myself as hating old people, and that's a joke. But let me explain the, the phrase behind it. Old people are getting more expensive. Between 1950 and 1990, the world median age climbed 2% to 24, from 23.5. Since then, the median age has climbed 18% to 28.5. This becomes a bigger problem for countries. Not all countries. Some countries have younger workforces than others. But as we get older, they become very expensive to take care of. Close to three out of every 20 euros of GDP now go to benefits for the elderly in Europe. That rate's only going to climb um, in the UK, in Spain, in Sweden, in Belgium, in Germany. And again, it's not that we don't want to take care of old people. It's that the government can't afford to keep delivering what it's promised to all people, including old people. In Japan, Japan used to be the biggest problem. Japan had the oldest society, and we saw it. We'll talk about this. Pension costs are growing more than 5% in Korea, more than 2% in China. Health costs are growing 6% across all of Asia. So people getting older are huge drains on resource bases like taxes. We'll talk about other trends to invest in. Stay with me. Follow me on robblack.com. Follow me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Follow me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. The ship comes in And the words that I And according to the financial experts at U.S. News or at Rob Black Job 236-7081 Tax them to fill Subject to credit approval Minimum monthly payment Family finances Insurance The economy Technology Media And entertainment Rob is talking about it with you At 800-516-1220 So call in We'll chat and uh, have some fun Now To start your day With the latest news And market commentary Here's Rob Black On the Wall Street Business Network Welcome in, Rob Black, your money on Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Uh, I don't know. Uh, There always seems to be stories and trends and things that work and don't work on Wall Street. Whether it's the story of Tesla, whether it's the story of Netflix... You know, Tesla makes a pretty great car. It's well-reviewed. It's expensive. Um, it's a radical change from car making. It's a pretty good story. Maybe it's a disruptive story. Whereas Netflix's story is, I think people are tired with cable. High cost of cable and you know, too many choices. 
with, you know, um, satisfaction levels good. So they've turned things like Netflix and Hulu and other opportunities. And that story is more of a... a, a it's got real numbers behind it versus what Tesla does. Tesla's got great startup numbers, whereas Netflix has 10-plus years of good numbers. So who's the riskier play at this point in time? Probably Tesla, because it hasn't proven of long-term that its, its story has maintaining power. Uh, whereas Netflix's story has. So if there's weakness in the general market and they both go down... I might look to pick up a Netflix versus a Tesla. Now, if Tesla massively disappoints, I might look to pick them up. I like buying story stocks and trend stocks when I can. Not when the market's at all-time highs, but when the market takes a breath, whether it's a 10-day breath, whether it's a one-year breath, whether it's a 10% correction in one day or 10% correction in three months. I like kind of knowing what's going on and changing myself to allow myself opportunity when it play, when it presents itself. And again, every stock has kind of a different angle to it. You look at somebody like an Intel. They once were a hyper-growth company in the late 80s and 90s. Absolutely. Early 2000, for sure. And then we started getting to the point where we're like, you know what? My computer's pretty damn fast, so it's slowing it down is the hard drive and maybe the memory. It's not the processor. Because when you heard, you know, they've got 25 billion transistors on a chip, you're like, well, that's impressive. I can't even count that on my fingers, right? My abacus can't do that. I'm not saying that we don't need the processing power, but technology started to just, you know, take advantage of it and shift elsewhere. The speed of the Internet going from, you know, 1,200 baud to 2,400 to 4,800 to 9,600 to 20, you know, 8,8 to 56,6 to, you know, gig speeds, um, you know, 10 meg, 20 meg, 25 meg, storage going from 1 meg drives, 10 meg drives. I remember my first hard drive was like a 5 meg hard drive. And you stop and think about that, and it's pathetic. It was an old 8086 computer that probably took two minutes to boot up. Maybe two and a half. Um, point being, I don't even know if there is a point being. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, where was I going? Oh, so now the, one of the big trends is storage. And one of the big trends is internet speed online. Because, like, who wants a desktop computer? I met someone a couple years ago who, you know, you look at their apartment and you're like... They're like, I, I want a Kindle because I don't want books. And I look at my TV and there's all these cables underneath it. And I'm like, I can't wait to buy a TV without cables. I want wireless TV more and more. Like, and that's what companies like Netflix are playing into. So things change, and that's a good positive thing. So one of the things I want to talk about today are trends. And I did it in the first hour of the show, and hopefully these hours are going back to back. And if not, that's fine. You know, in the first hour, I talked about how Brazil, Russia, India, and China, as far as nations, are starting to slow down. And they're making way for more nations to grow from poor to middle class, like uh, Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria, Turkey. They're the next wave of five to ten years of growth spurts. And you can still take advantage because that growth spurt's just starting. 
should you buy at a high? Should you buy in instantly? Should you wait for Turkey to have a riot? Like, sure, why not? I think the commodity super cycle has started to ease off as the massive world growth in infrastructure powered by China in the last 15 years, it's starting to slow down. So I'm not as in love with commodities. Not at this point. Now again, commodities will have their day and commodities will have their months. When we don't get rain, you know, corn will be a play which will equal feed. Feed will be a play which will equal slaughtering animals. Slaughtering animals will push meat costs lower in the short term, in the long term, higher. So yeah, there's still some plays there for sure. One of the trends that I mentioned that I don't think is pretty widely thought of at this point in time is I think China continues to water down their communism. I think they have to. One thing from opening up their country to industrial manufacturing for the world, that was step one. If you look at the United States, we had our industrial revolution, which eventually leads to other industries. You need it. You can't just be an industrial nation. So China's opening up. That's a big trend, in my opinion. Um, the super cycle of commodities is slowing down. I think that's a big trend. Old people across the world are becoming more and more expensive to their countries on pensions and health care costs. I think that's a problem. Um, are we immune to it? Can we fix it? I don't know. Are we immune to old people? <laughs> uh, not enough uh, effort on climate change is another big trend. I think um, I'm not a big Republican or a Democrat, but I can tell you this, that it seems the momentum has been, you know, more and more so to make some changes on what we perceive as global warming or not. And we seem to be accepting that it's a problem. Uh, we're putting more regulations on coal plants. Uh, worldwide November temperatures in 2013 set an all-time high record. Now, again, you know, the cold streak in the United States with that Arctic blast was, was equally met with a hot streak in Australia. Antarctica just recorded its coldest temperature ever. So some of these trends are very slow to see. Europe's renewable program has become too expensive. The cost of the program has spiraled out of control. Electricity costs have spiked for homeowners. Um, so... How does this problem play out? I don't know. I just can tell you that you know the more articles that I read and the more annual reports, you know, um, coal plants are responsible for a quarter of a million premature deaths in 2011. One of the studies was in China. We seem to be looking at it, but we seem to be looking at it very, very slowly. Um, and I think that's a trend that continues to be investable. Um, Energy companies like Exxon are already investing in environmental risk management programs to mitigate the effects of climate change. Um, anyhow, let's take a break here. Coming up, we're going to talk about Europe. We're going to talk about how it didn't blow up. We're going to talk about the EU as an investment trend. We're going to talk about some new countries. The youth, the youth as far as investments go in the world. We're talking trends. OPEC. What's going to happen there if commodities go sideways? We'll take a break here. This is Rob Black your money. You can find me online at robblack.com. Debt has you down. Nonprofit. Forget plastics. Invest. Anything that you have for any other. 
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. You listen to me, Rob Black. Thanks for listening. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I'm talking about trends right now. And I'll try to get straight into this and be a little less sing-songy. At times, I think I kind of get into that. Uh, maybe over-explaining. Trends are a great way of investing. If you understand um, that millennials you know, are a large part of our workforce. Generation X. Uh, were slackers that really didn't make you know, management until uh, five, ten years after they're expected to. Uh, Xers want security. Millennials want lifestyle. Boomers want you know, retirement. <laughs> and later, it, this will all change. So we're talking about trends that you can invest in and trends that I see. And again, you hopefully will see some on your own, right? Um, one area that I, I think is interesting to note is that the Eurozone didn't blow up. It came close, but it didn't do it. Uh, you might remember that we were talking, we tend to like talking funny phrases on Wall Street. BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Mints, Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria, Turkey. Uh, you might remember we talked about the pigs, Portugal, Italy, Ireland, Greece, Spain. Spain got out of its recession. Ireland's out from under its IMF protection. Greece's manufacturing index is nearly back into expansion. It didn't blow up. It got close. It felt bad. It still has problems, but it didn't blow up. And if you looked at headline news three years ago, you would have thought, oh man, this is really, really, really bad. Europe's Thousands and thousands of old economies on the verge of collapse. Deflation haunts the region, the specter of it. Output, you know, from Ireland, Italy, and France, five month lows, it's not good. Uh, rates of HIV diagnosis in Greece have skyrocketed. Uh, the region remains hampered by high energy costs. High energy costs help support a lot of the social programs in Europe. You know, if you think you have high gas prices here, go to Europe. It'll freak you out. Um, so the Eurozone didn't blow up. And, you know, I don't know. You can make jokes about it, and I do make jokes about it, because I think trying to you know show you some of the funny parts of it uh, help. When you see rioters, you know, and you try to put it in perspective, it helps. Did you hear the joke about the Greek small businessman that walked into a bank and got a loan? <laughs> Not many have. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is there a joke there? No. No one really respects the Eurozone at this point in time. But it didn't blow up. So perhaps more than at any time since the end of communist rule, there are concerns about potential limits to convergence in living standards between the East and the West especially in Europe. You know, what started as a process of getting all these countries integrated into one currency, that's the start. And then there's this transformation. 
and how it's been reversed a little bit. It's a process now of disintegration. Instead of convergence of living standards, it's a divergence. The Financial Times calls the pending banking union the biggest loss of sovereignty since the creation of the euro. You know, the European Eastern Bloc countries are a lot more surly in all of this. Um, These countries don't necessarily like each other. Their parliaments don't necessarily like each other. Ukraine got bailed out, offering to buy 15 billion in Ukrainian bonds. Russia did. So Russia's playing a part in the whole European Union now. Russia controls a lot of Europe's destiny as far as energy goes and natural gas goes, uh, which at this point in time is, you know, a cheap energy. Um, Russia's economy is hurting, and they need the growth of Europe and the European Union. And some of these ex-European or ex-Soviet states being part of the European Union it's going to be interesting, you know. It's it's a very surly. No one really respects all the countries, and I think that's going to be a, a trend that we continue to watch. Some countries probably don't belong in the European Union, like Ukraine. They just don't seem to be a fit. One of the trends that I think you can invest in for the long term is that Europe has ruined its youth, a lot like the United States seems to be ruining its youth. We're not there yet, but we're pretty close. Nearly one in four European age, 25 and under, are unemployed. It's higher in other, in other countries in Europe, but that's across the board in Europe. One in four are unemployed under the age of 25. You look at the United States and you go, we want a minimum wage for McDonald's. Uh, any European under 25 would take any wage for any job. That's how desperate they are. Now, again, I'm not saying we don't deserve livable wages here. I'm saying that jobs are so scarce in some parts of the world that people are willing to do dramatic, terrible things that what they thought were below them. A lot of Spaniards have given up, and they're reverting to the kind of unskilled farm work you know, that they used to shun. So you can now find Spanish people picking up fruit, picking up olives, um, doing it for a living. You know, they're not really able to leave for work. Greeks have it real bad. Youth unemployment in Greece has stabilized. But listen to this. For the youth, it's over 50%. In 2012, deaths in Greece outnumbered births by 16,300. 44,000 people left Greece. It's a country that only has 11 million people. Live births in Greece have fallen 15% in four years. So, not only do they have a problem with debt, but their youth is disenfranchised and they're leaving. That's going to become a problem down the road. So, the youth of Europe have it pretty bad. Where will they land? Time will tell. So, Europe is kind of, eh, I'm not going to say ruin their youth, but it's something to be paying attention to. OPEC is a trend that's worth paying attention to. And again, not sexy. OPEC, when it was good for the last 15 years, they kind of band together. OPEC is the oil-producing you know, cartel. Um, where it's interesting to note that you know, 10 countries can get together and say, okay, we're going to output this much oil. If 
Intel were to say we're going to output three million semiconductors, the price of a semiconductor would go, you know, quadruple, or you get the idea. If you limit supply and demand, if you play with supply and demand, I've never understood how OPEC did as well as it did for as long as it did without angering the world. The Saudis, they're saying that we're not going to be swing producers. So OPEC is slowly but surely with Iran, Iraq, with Syria, with Saudi Arabia, they're starting to become a little bit pulled apart, especially because of the strength of the U.S. oil market. Talk trends in investing as we continue. It's Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. Solutions, the bottom line for boomers. With Johnny D. Making the minimum payments and you may never get that. Online at money. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Thanks for listening to the show. Sometimes I put together these shows and they're kind of tough to see what the point is, and I get that. And in no way, shape, or form am I trying to be like that weirdo uh, talk show host who's trying to make it sound like I'm smarter than you. I'm not. I'm trying to show you that as an investor, capitalism works in your favor over time. You're not going to see a company. I mean, I've got a boss in radio who's like, payroll, payroll, payroll. You know, it's normal that corporations that are for profit focus on profit. And when you become an owner of a stock, you become an owner of a company. Now, that doesn't mean just because you own shares of Apple, you can go in an Apple store and start firing people. I love the idea, but it, you can't. But you can start looking at companies that you respect as companies that you want to own. You know, if you ever find yourself as, man, I wish I owned that company, first and foremost, do a little more research. Maybe you don't. What you may want to do, like, for instance, fast food, there's not a lot of money in it. And I watched a recent Stephen Colbert interview with a worker from fast foods, and she works at two Kentucky Fried Chickens because her boss, her bosses won't give her enough hours to work at one for full time. And she makes $8 an hour. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that's not a lot of money. You know, let's say 8 bucks an hour times 40, 320 you pay some taxes, you times that by four, four weeks, get a thousand dollars, twelve thousand a year. Ugh. That's not good. I and mean, there's no way you could save for the future with that, right? But one of the interesting parts of the interview was Stephen Colbert was like, "Well, we can give you two dollars more." He, he basically took. He said, "Well, I own shares of Yum Brands, and you probably do too." Young Brands owns Kentucky Fried Chicken. And he says, we could probably give you a, a raise, but then, you know, we'd have to raise the cost of, of chicken for the customers. And she goes, sure, do that. Give me the raise. Your Kentucky Fried Chicken makes billions of dollars. The truth of the matter is, Kentucky Fried Chicken, again, is a franchiser. 
um, they franchise the stores. They're not corporate stores. McDonald's aren't corporate. They're corporate stores. They're not corporate stores. They're, they're franchised. And if the franchisees were making billions of dollars, I understand giving, sharing the wealth. But that's not how the system's set up. And there was a really interesting recent study about how many McDonald's and how many fast food joints we have per square mile versus, like, Sweden. And we've got, you know, four times as many as other countries. Our nation, if we want to help low income, we need to stop supporting things like fast food. Now, again, that kind of sucks because fast food for some people has become a lifestyle and a diet. Trying to get them to change ain't going to be easy. Fast food for some people have become a business opportunity. If you've come to this country from another country, uh, getting your own Subway franchise, your own McDonald's franchise has sometimes been your key to success. You're able to take your hard work ethics and, and start a business. So thinking, and I wish someone like Colbert would have said this, it's not so much that we don't want to do this. It's that our system's not set up to do it. It's almost like we have to tear down the slums in order to get better housing, right? Um, and that's a really tough thing to say out loud because some people are like, uh, if you've ever been to a really, 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 really old and decrepit neighborhood, there's probably a good chance there's a lot of poor people there because it's really decrepit. There's not a lot of jobs and services that want to be there. You know, I work in radio, and one of the people that I worked with a couple years ago, um, he worked at, you know, uh, grocery stores. Not grocery stores, but, uh, you know, 24-hour convenience stores uh, in basically Oakland. And he said, you know, when we'd get robbed, he was like, I just don't want to get hit with a gun in the face. Like, I don't want to lose a tooth. He's like, take the money. Um, And he said it happened on a regular basis. So part of our problem with this whole social wages issue, living wages, is we're not set up for it. As a community, as a society, we're not set up for it. If you want your fast food at low costs, if you want it proliferated everywhere, seriously, on, you know, parts of El Camino Real, every other block is a McDonald's, a Burger King, a Wendy's, McDonald's, a Burger King, a Wendy's. And what are they known for? They're dollar meals, right? Anyway, um, so anytime a community does something, like I know Fremont is going through a process of uh, moving businesses. And anytime you see that, and they're, they're trying to revitalize downtown, that's typically a pretty good thing. A couple things you always want to happen if you want your real estate to go higher. A metro line coming in close to you, a train line coming in close to you, a hospital opening close to you, a university doing well. Like, I would buy real estate close to St. Mary's. I think that's a great college. I'd buy real estate close to Palo uh, Stanford, to Berkeley. There's always going to be demand for doctors and professors and students. And it seems that universities seem to always be expanding how many students they let in on a regular basis. And they seem to do well. They seem to be businesses. Ooh, there's the keyword. They seem to be businesses that attract people. Right? And that's what I started this whole... 130% true. That's what I started this whole conversation with, is that, you know, a a livable wage is a great idea, but those businesses, people aren't buying houses next next to a McDonald's because of the business, right? It's not like, oh, I'm going to buy an apartment complex next to a McDonald's. 
because that McDonald's is it's going to be a selling point for all the tenants. Not in any way, Kate. Like, um, what's that place down in um, San Jose? The big shopping center. I'm dropping it. Not the Mall of America. San Jose, um, right next to the uh, Mystery House. Oh, come on. What is it? It's not Westgate. Well, I'm, I'm dropping it. I'm a little tired this morning. Um, but anytime you see, like, um, big developments happen, come in fast, whether it be in Fremont, whether it be in San Jose, whether it be in Milpitas. Uh, for instance, I recently saw that Milpitas is going to do a $100 million Asian-themed mall. And that'll bring shoppers, and that'll bring, you know, businesses, and that'll bring employers and employees um, it's not necessarily like, I don't know. Uh, the, absolutely, you could think of it this way. The AT&T ballpark, that changed that neighborhood. It became a very desirable place to, to open a business. It became a very desirable place to live. If San Jose ever gets the A's, or if the A's ever get serious and go to Jack London, or something like that, um, I think it would create a, a huge boom because it would bring in the types of businesses that can support a living wage. Anyhow, anyway, I'm digressing a little bit. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Talk a little bit about business trends. And again, some of this is ugly and some of it's not pretty. Um, the last one that I was really hitting on before the living wage was OPEC. It's starting to become a little dysfunctional. And that tends to work out well for the buyers. You know, Russia, Saudi, U.S., Iran, Venezuela, Iraq, Mexico, Nigeria, Canada, Norway, Angola, the United Kingdom. A lot of oil producing countries are dependent on high oil prices continuing to provide the necessary revenue to balance their government budgets. The ones in particular, Russia, Saudi, Iran, and Iraq. And they're losing a little bit as the shale world is delaying the, not delaying, is curbing the fast profit growth of the passive oil. So there's a lot of shale deposits around the world. Russia's got shale, China's got shale, Libya's got shale, Argentina's got shale, parts of the U.S., Canada's got a lot of shale, natural gas, oil. Um, is really hurting OPEC. And it's interesting to watch. Um, as a trend, as an investor, United States, we've created some states now, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Idaho are becoming, they're creating some businesses that weren't there. That's nice to see. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. One area that I think, um, as far as trend investing goes, that I pay a lot of attention to, and this is kind of an odd concept, is worldwide elections. I want to see who's put in power. You know, hotspot elections, and whether it's a communist person, a socialist person, uh, in France, they got a president who came in promising social changes for the workers. It didn't happen. He's going to be ousted sooner than later. And when that happens, is that the area you want to invest in? Right when he's getting ousted, yes. 
right when he's promising all these changes, no. So Brazil's getting some nationwide elections um, that I think are going to be very important to their future. India's got a spring general election that could disrupt. The world on a regular basis re-elects its leaders, and it changes investments. The um, leader of Japan, for instance, is considered very bullish, very pro-business, very pro-economy. A couple years ago, not so much, under a different leader. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. And your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW. So I'm talking some investment trends, and you know I was talking about you know the types of businesses that support livable wages and what they bring in and what they push out, and it's sometimes it's called gentrification. And gentrification is closely modeled into the types of businesses in your neighborhood. Uh, there's a part of New York City called Hell's Kitchen that 20, 25 years ago, if you went into, you would have the snot beat out of you. And slowly but surely, you know, some yuppies, young urban professionals started moving in. And then some uh, hipsters started moving in. And property taxes started going up. People couldn't afford their property taxes. They started moving out. Uh, better businesses started coming up to support the tastes of the people who were moving in. The weaker businesses started collapsing that were supporting the previous generation. Now, this is a horrible thing, gentrification. Cities lose their flavor. I mean, New York City had the flavor of a neighborhood that would beat the snot out of you if you accidentally wandered into it. San Francisco had their hate district. Um, Santana Row changed parts of San Jose. San Jose's got a lot of poverty. And as more Santana Rows go in, poverty gets pushed out. Where does it go is not always like something we think about. It's like that episode of The Twilight Zone where we put you know, trash into a beam and suddenly gone, and then the whole episode ends with... You know, another planet that's got all of our trash, and it's sad, and it's toxic, and we've destroyed another world. Um, but that's also part of the argument is that, like, we're not socialists. We can't create all things for all people. We're not. Uh, we could go back to 1776 and change the Declaration of Independence if you want, but we created ourselves as kind of a free nation that had some government oversights, but not complete government oversights. We escaped that in theory, but I'm not getting into that because that'll get people mad at me. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of to look at the hate, and it's at this point in time, it's a lot of you know, 
people that look like Miley Cyrus running around. The hippies are gone. Or the hippies are dying. Or there are people who look like Miley Cyrus who pretend to be hippies. Which is probably the worst thing in the world, right? Pretend hippies. I couldn't imagine anything worse. Pretend hippies. Faux hippies. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some trends. And one of the ones that you know I, I was ending on is world leaders. We're not positive what we're seeing in Japan is going to stick for the long term. We know Japan has got some short-term problems, but they've gone through prime minister after prime minister after prime minister, and then finally this guy gets in and goes, you know what, we're going to do what the United States did. We're going to print money. We're going to do what the United States did and just lower the cost of money. Um, I think that's an investable trend. I think people are starting to copy what we did well during our Great Recession, and I think Japan responded well as an investment. There's a new trend that I think is just, it, it's, I think it's absolutely true. It's called the hacker world. Major hacks originate from everywhere, including the United States. Uh, a lot of systems must assume hacking attempts at all times. So you're going to start seeing security a little bit better than a swipe of a card. It's embarrassing that you can swipe a card and transact thousands of dollars. You've done it. You've gone into a mall. You've pulled out like maybe the wrong credit card, given it to the person. And you're like, oh, that's my roommate's. And they, the transaction went through, kind of thing. Like, that was a little too fast. Um, we need that card to have more security. And it will. I think 2014, you're going to see a big push for a lot more secure transactions. Because what happened at Target in 2013, I think it changes the world forever. Uh, I just think we have to get a little bit more serious about it. Yes, there will always be a competition between hackers and, and you know, uh, anti-hackers, and, and I think we're going to start seeing more groups dedicated to providing security. And, you know, the world's hacking population, 16% in China, 3.6% in Russia. Like, you can see what the problems are. Um, every month brings multiple new attacks. Every month. Um, you know, if you go with Android, get in a fake alert. Living Social had a hack. WordPress had a hack last year. Um, bad news in Google Play apps. Um, you had uh, Louisiana Border Regents hack. You had, like, every month there seems to be something. There was a big South Korea hack recently where 50% of bank data was compromised. So you're going to continue to see malware, vulnerabilities, hacking. Try to continue to get bottled up. And it's a big business. Um, Android hacks have surged huge. I would not download anything from their Play Store. I think their Play Store is a wild, wild west. I don't think there's enough going on to check um, the apps. Uh, I would never download an app unless it had, you know, uh, massive approval um, by hundreds of thousands of people and not like, oh, it's been downloaded four times. Macs used to be immune, but hacks on Macs are increasing. Another big trend for the next foreseeable future are water. Every continent on the planet possesses regions facing water shortages. Every continent on the planet is having water issues. China has it the worst. People are studying it more and more. There's problems. California has, quote-unquote, their drought. Another trend that I think for 2014 is Bitcoin is here to stay. Where will it go? I don't know. But it's getting a little bit more accepted here, a little bit more accepted there. 
it's going to be tough to rip it apart and say it doesn't really exist. You can follow me. You can follow Trends. You can follow Rob Black at robblack.com. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.